When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is gayish. The podcast that's wide tailed and bussy eyed. <laughs> oh, no, I hate that word. <laughs> oh god yeah but it's true okay uh, uh uh i'm mike johnson i'm kyle getz and we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality I, I don't exactly know how to pronounce that word as we've discussed before so i looked it up like on the internet and yeah. you know how they have those like word pronouncing videos um, like an ipa format <laughs> is this the news theme <laughs> bussy Bussy. Bussy. But wait, that's both ways. Bussy. I'm upset. The, the, it's it's like automatically generated videos, I'm pretty sure. So like no no one actually says like I want Jonathan Van Ness to be like, okay, ladies, here's how you pronounce it. Because that's what I would trust. It's all just like dumb. Anyway, but hearing automated things pronounced bussy a whole bunch was really enjoyable five minutes of my life. Oh god. Anyhow. Hey Kyle. Hey Mike. Today we're going to talk about oh right limp wrists limp wrists yeah it's a stereotype we have interestingly not talked about I don't know maybe it's just because it's so obvious and so right there we we sometimes try to do the less obvious things I, yeah maybe I, I, we we definitely we we had a powwow recently we were like what are the things we haven't talked about mm-hmm. it was like well mm-hmm. limp wrists yeah yeah it's a big one so here we go here we go but first but first. <laughs> <laughs> uh feedback feedback i wanted to talk about the backwards hat episode and me I, too I, <laughs> this this is this is it kids we're just gonna talk about backwards hats for the rest of the rest of the time that we have a show um two, two pieces of feedback um that i i thought were really interesting the the, the first is I, I think easier to 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 talk about in a way which is that uh, we we did we, we talked about Ken Griffey Jr.'s suicide attempt and uh, did not put a trigger warning on the episode and just did it again and just did it again. So I, I don't know. Um, and it, it's really interesting. I just want people to know that we're definitely like we've had trigger warnings on episodes before, and we will continue to in the future. Um, and, and we don't really have like a strict set of policies about when we think that that's appropriate, but we're definitely talking about it as a production team and interested in what people think and and what they have to say. Um, and, uh, I, I think that we were in the space of like, it wasn't what the whole episode was about. Yeah. I think my general take uh has been if it's if the topic of the episode we did it like i think before depression might have been our first one like when the topic of the episode is that this kind of thing then we have you read a trigger warning in in advance um if it is a casual feels like a weird word to say but like a a one-off reference um we talk about mental health issues enough that you know i don't know that depression and suicide and you know eating disorders or like a bunch of stuff may come up on the regular and it may just be a mention. It sometimes is a joke, yeah. which I feel okay about as someone who deals with those things. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I, I really want to also just, I can't say it enough. Thank you for saying something. I really appreciate it when people reach out and, 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 and say, 
things good or bad about how we're impacting them and um i just i, I really appreciate the, the feedback please yeah. keep it coming um now the other thing is apparently people felt like i shit on people wearing backwards hats and they were kind of upset about it and um I, I think we were playing I like them you you are, are less care less we were playing good cap bad cap yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um but I, I I also yeah I uh, god I mean I'm not saying people shouldn't do it I actually think it's really attractive also I think people were were mostly hung up on on the idea that I said that like dudes in their 40s wearing backwards hats are have Peter Pan syndrome yeah. or are or, or, or coming off as as childish and um I I really have to resist the like knee-jerk people pleasing reaction of apologizing and saying that that's not what I meant because because I I, I think I do mean it like you certainly wouldn't wear it to a job interview because it sends the wrong message and what is that message and and you just asked me how i feel about it like what my knee-jerk reaction is to the idea and that's it like mm-hmm. that that's my honest how, how i how i feel um in a preliminary kind of way yeah um and i guess i'm i'm sorry that people took that personally i mean i, th- I yeah i think we need given what we talk about we need to be able to say like here here's what i view as the stereotype of this thing here's my reaction to this thing and um i don't know uh, similarly as as kind of sex stuff that we've i think we've learned gotten better about the way we talk about it here's my reaction to that or how i feel about that thing that is not to say you can't like it or be into it or do it so you know we just need to keep balancing that like my under my stereotype the thing i think about when i see someone in a backwards hat is this because that's like that that is the core of what we're talking about. Like, what is your perception of the thing? So I need to know your opinion on yep. that. And also, but we need to, I, or I want to do it in a way that doesn't say that that is the truth. Then right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how it is. It's, you know, I think a lot of times I have reactions to things that I don't in evaluating, don't like, or don't want to have, or don't actually believe at my core. It's just, yeah. you know, so yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't wear a lot of hats backwards or otherwise. I, I have yeah, that, you clearly didn't have any that, when we recorded that, that, that crazy Irish hat that I that I've grown to love in the last year or two. Um, but uh, uh, I do wear hoodies, and as a man in his forties, I put a hoodie on to go out to the bar. Or I mean, not these days, but like when going to a bar was a thing that people did. And uh, uh, I would have that thought of like, oh, this is like teenagers wear hoodies. What am I doing? <laughs> And then I'll fucking do it anyway, because <laughs> that, like that's that's what I want to wear, and that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Okay, we, I, I wasn't planning on taking. Since we're talking feedback, I'm yeah. going to mention we've gotten um, a separate topic. We've gotten a lot of varying uh, kind of feedback about the sobriety episode yeah. that I wanted to mention. Um, yeah, including we just recently got a really nice one, so thank you. We got some like uh, ones that were mean and and not in a constructive way um we got some that were critical and in a constructive way of the fact that we had someone on who had never drank so there are there are people that were hoping and expecting or wanting us to talk about someone who had gone through the process of you know being an alcoholic or what have you and it is sober you know whether that means in aa or, or not drinking anymore or you know i'm just using drinking as an example because that's what we talked about but um they they wanted a different kind of the more what you would expect out of a uh, uh kind of 
dependency or sobriety kind of uh, person, uh, which is not what we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I do think that's something. Um, I under, I can definitely understand why someone would have heard that episode and been disappointed if they expected it to be a certain way. So yeah. I definitely think it's uh, something we should do again with someone that more fits what that expectation. Someone who went through you know issues with alcoholism or dependency drug use or what have you and is in recovery from that because that is also and i think we talked about this before the guest like that is something that is really big in our community and really important to to talk about yep so. yep absolutely we have both alcoholism and recovery on our episode idea list so they're, they've been on our radar yeah 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 for reals for reals wonder if you know you're on my radar on my radar on my radar britney spears okay on the list <laughs> do it uh thanks everyone for your feedback especially when you write it in a constructive way yeah yeah and even when you don't but try to be nice because we have feelings yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh you ready for the news yeah okay uh interesting so yes! oh wow okay okay <laughs> okay um so I, I want to talk about a book that came out that I'm super excited about. Ooh. There is a book that came out last week called Three Men and a Baby. And it is about three gay dads in a relationship with each other in a thruple who were the first people in history to be all listed as fathers on their child's birth certificate in California in 2017. No way. Yes way. <laughs> so, um, so the author is Ian Jenkins, who's a San Diego-based doctor and university professor. He's been with his partner, Alan Mayfield, for 17 years. They opened up their relationship to include a third man, Jeremy Allen Hodges, eight years ago. And the three men have two kids, their daughter Piper, who is three, and their son Parker, who is 18 months. And both were born using donated eggs and surrogates. And all three men were listed on Piper's birth certificate after a California court ruled them able to do so. I wonder what that looked like. Like they had two blanks and someone put like a little carrot and was like, and one more, you know, like they, they're, they can't have been set up for that. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's some computer programmer inside the government that's like, look guys, I'm on board, but fuck, this is hard. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, to their kids, Alan is known as Dada, Ian is Papa and Jeremy is Daddy. And uh, they have an absolutely adorable Instagram channel called three underscore dads underscore and underscore a underscore baby. Mm. Um, and I think they're just they're adorable and it's great. Mm. So I plan on ordering that and reading it and checking it out. I have a book recommendation that I want to order too later okay. in the episode. But oh, OK, I won't. Do we really need to start a book club? Yeah, maybe. Uh. I mean, sounds like a lot of work. I, I barely like reading, so I don't know. <laughs> that's really awesome. That's really cool. I'm, I, yeah, I, I feel like the, like poly or multiple or whatever relationships relationships that go beyond two individuals is uh, a new territory that I'll be really interested to see how it develops and how society accepts and more. So, obviously, I'm soups down. Do what you want. Yeah, be in your you know you know big gay three person puddle. Like that's awesome. But yep. yeah. Yep. And and um spoiler alert, those kids are probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having one additional person like to take care of them and that's that's like another another adult there to help raise them and give a different perspective, like all of it seems good. Yep. It takes a village and that village happens to all live in the same house. Yep. And want to bang each other. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Uh news the next. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. 
Every time now? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. We'll see. <laughs> um, I'm nervous. Okay. Rush Limbaugh is dead. Oh, yeah. And I, I just, I just, I'm not pleased with myself, <laughs> but I was genuinely happy when he died. <laughs> and I just have had lots of really interesting conversations about that on social media. But what I want people to know is that he had a segment on his show in the late 80s and early 90s where he would play celebratory circus-like music and read the names of people who had died of AIDS because that was something to celebrate. He was an evil, horrible man who did awful things to not only our entire culture in this country, but specifically to gay people and good riddance to bad rubbish. Fuck that guy. Fuck his dead corpse. Fuck everything he stood for. That started out a little <laughs> trepidatious and ended very untrepidatious. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a slippery slope, Kyle. You just got to get me moved up a little bit, and then I just like luge all the way to the bottom. Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think, have in our culture, you're not supposed to say anything bad about dead people, and I think that's a, a mistake to have that kind of like just because you died does not automatically make you okay or should make you impervious from criticism. Yeah. And I think people's initial reaction feeling like feelings you know i think like people are talking about like i've been talking about more and more like feelings are not something you control they're things that happen to you and they're not necessarily good or bad they're just things that happen and so if you're happy like that's not something you didn't control you didn't force yourself to feel happy you had a reaction to the fact that someone who attacked you and your community and made your life worse now is not there to do that so your happiness like is an understandable reaction now. And you know, then you get to decide what to do with that. I, you know, I've, I'm, I've kind of like not just kind of stayed away because enough people were kind of talking about how terrible he was that I didn't really feel the need. I didn't have anything unique to add. So yeah, that was my kind of how I reacted to that. I mean, I think there's also, there's a couple of generational things happening there. Like he rose to prominence in conservative radio in like the, the, the mid to late eighties. And, uh, a lot of people, attribute the rapid rise of uh pseudo news mm. in in conservative circles like like he was fox news before fox news was fox news yeah. sort of and also the hiv aids crisis was at its peak he was he was taking advantage of what was was a horrible thing that that in in many ways is for better or for worse behind us or, or forgotten just how bad it was and 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 how how significant it was mm. Um, and, and so I, I, I would, I would maybe forgive people who didn't really know who he was or why he was important, like not giving any fucks about what I'm saying. Hmm. Not that anybody should give any fucks about what I'm saying <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. News the last. Yeah. Okay, great. I want to show you a commercial, but I don't know the best Ooh. way to show you this commercial. Is the cream egg golden goobly? Time to celebrate five delicious decades. Snickers! Let loose! Bakers! Bring it! Experts, you have got this! Dippers! Flex that index! Discreters! Come out of your shell! 
Yeah, we are down with that. Calling all exhibitionists. Let the entertainment begin. <laughs> so that was Cadbury, which is a British candy company. That was their um, 50-something-odd second commercial for their Golden Goobalee, celebrating oh, the fact... Yeah, man. Well, I know, I know, I know. Uh, uh, celebrating that the uh, popular egg-shaped chocolate is now 50 years old, and they show people doing different kinds of how they eat Cadbury eggs. Dippers, that was the most... Con- do people really open that and dip stuff in it? I <laughs> Yeah. Huh. I, they... I mean, I think their marketing department probably took some liberties with, <laughs> with the, the different ways that people eat Cadbury eggs. Um, but guess which one was controversial? The Dippers. Yep. <laughs> the Dippers was controversial. That seems horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the section of the commercial that talks about sharers uh, has a real life gay couple sharing a sticky kiss with a Cadbury egg between them. Um and a yeah, they're like there's the egg in the middle, and they're both kind of biting it down as if Lady and the Tramp had a very different kind of spaghetti. Yeah, with beards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so earlier this week, the Citizen Go Foundation, a Christian organization that demands quote respect for the dignity of human beings, posted on its website a petition directed at Cadbury UK and the Advertising Standards Agency. Oh, during UK's. Uh... Uh, Gay History Month. Yeah, of course. Of course. LGBT History Month. They're expressing outrage um, that the commercial features a gay couple engaged in, quote, a highly charged, sexually provocative act. Okay, I agree with that, though. I was turned on. That was very sexual to me. Really? It seems like just kind of a kiss that there's candy involved with. Like, it, it's, it's not like I saw no dicks at any point in time. I mean, I did in my head. No, but that's like, okay, like... Uh, I'm not obviously they're wrong, but like and and they should the ad is fine, but it's like given the context of everything else, there's one person and all these other things, and this is I, I don't know it, it it definitely stands out as a moment like it's the only one with two people doing a thing, and they're like doing something no one would ever do, which is like, well, I don't know, it looks so hot, maybe I want to egg kiss someone now, mm. but like yeah, you bite into it and just like. It drips out, all of that like white gooey all stuff, your, and, and then you can lift it up. Chin. No, that'd be too like. Ugh. Then you'd have to get a wet nap. That'd be so messy. It'd be fun for like a second, and then it would. Anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> well, so according to their petition, quote: In a show of affection, the couple uses their lips and tongue to exchange the contents of a cream egg, an image which many consumers have complained is both disgusting and off-putting. I didn't. Oh, it was on pudding for me, yeah. clearly. <laughs> As of Friday afternoon, day before yesterday, the petition had collected more than 27,000 signatures asking the ASA to withdraw the advertisement what straight was, away. Which what is, was ASA's response? Yeah. Um, so th- th- the, uh, I don't think that the agency, the standards agency, has uh, released a statement at all. However, um, uh, Cadbury, which was founded in 1824, said, quote, Cadbury has always been a progressive brand that spreads a message of inclusion, whether it is through its products or brand campaigns. We are proud of our Golden Goobly advert, which celebrates the many ways that everyone can enjoy a Cadbury cream egg. And to illustrate this and showcase our joy, our the joy our products bring, a clip of a real-life couple sharing a Cadbury cream egg was included in the advert. And uh, it's just... I don't know. It's didn't I think you already told me about this before. Like I already knew about this and I thought we talked about this on the show before. 
So Cadbury, the company, has come up a couple of times on the show before. But I thought specifically around the egg thing. I thought we had talked about that. Maybe we did. Hmm. That's the news. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, if you want to share an egg with us in a metaphorical sense, then go to Patreon. (laughs) Um, Patreon, you can go support us, help us make more high-quality content in transitions like this one. Uh, And I want to thank the Patreon members that have recently supported us. Austin Upton. Casey a gold who's way better than Casey a silver uh, Alan Thomason mm. and as uh, they, uh, they sent me an email that said I know Kyle won't remember this but it is Miji uh, Lutcher Miji rhymes with Fiji and Lutcher rhymes with butcher so ha suck it Miji <laughs> great uh, if you want to support us, uh, go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast. Yeah. And we'll buy eggs with it. And we'll buy eggs with it for <laughs> ourselves for sexual purposes that you won't be involved in. Uh, you want to talk about limp wrists? Yeah. Let's talk about limp wrists. Let's talk about Are you going to talk about the history? Should you, should you go first? Of course I'm going to talk about the history. <laughs> right. Do you know me? I mean... It, I actually got to an article where it started talking about like some of the background or something about Roman Empire. I don't know, something. And I stopped reading because I was like, I bet Mike's going to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Why don't you go for it? I mean, you just covered it all. It's the Romans. Here we go. Next segment. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So so the... Uh, uh, what we're trying to get is where did Limpris, like, where did that idea come from or how does it start? So maybe we should start with, like, in case people don't know. Oh, that being limp-wristed, being a limp-wristed faggot is <laughs> like, the, like that's the phrase, right? Like that, that having weak or limp wrists is a sign of homosexuality, especially, or no, specifically gay men. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, it's enough of a th- thing, at least to me, am I making, I don't think I'm making this up. No. Like, like limp wrists means you suck a dick. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's like, maybe the number one that and the gay voice like those are the the two biggest stereotypes i think of yeah uh, when i think of gay stereotypes yeah yeah absolutely and um so we just we want to unpack that a little bit because yeah. because um it's also like one of the dumbest ones <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like there there are lots of gay dudes that are not limp-wristed and there are lots of limp-wristed people lots of limp-wristed male presenting people who are not gay like just anyway this it's just so it's so fucking stupid okay (laughs) so it probably goes back to ancient rome (laughs) and the whole idea was not that it means that you're gay but rather that it means that you are not masculine so it is related to strength and if you had limp wrists it meant that you had quote a lack of masculine control over your body and its various urges Um, there were ancient ancient rhetoric teachers that discouraged limp-wristedness during public speaking because it would subvert the message that you were trying to accomplish during your oration. <laughs> <laughs> so the the idea would be there there were people who naturally just like stood that way when they were speaking for example and they had their teachers like hit him with rulers or whatever the roman version of rulers were which i guess is just stone abaci or something i don't know yeah. to be like stop doing that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly mm. i mean specifically when it came to like public speaking courses mm. though mm. right um so so then it, 
around the 18th century, like a lot of things that the, the Victorians really had a lot of, a lot of ideas about this, but, um, in, uh, the Europeans came to think of homosexuality as being a character trait rather than something that you just did. Um, so this shift of like being gay isn't who you bang, but who you are got its roots started in, in that, in that sort of era. And, um, it, it, gay sex became the opposite of manliness and then uh physiognomists which they're fascinating they're these people that i mean i think that to a certain extent they're still around as pseudoscientists but that believe that you could look at like a person's facial features and tell things about their intelligence who they want to bang like their interests that kind of thing yeah lie to me there was a whole tv show yeah um and um but they they appeared to have picked up on the ancient roman belief that real men had rock solid wrists mm. and started pushing the idea that limp wrists came to signify not just ill discipline but various other supposed failures of manhood such as exhibitionism foppery foppery <laughs> i want someone to describe me as foppish <laughs> and homosexuality yeah um you're foppish as far as i'm concerned you, Kyle. Oh, thanks you're you welcome. and you wanted to i think last episode talk about the word flit i would love to be a foppish flit <laughs> yeah you are uh, you think i'm a foppish flit yes oh no you're a foppish flit. let's celebrate okay um so there are there are a couple of other like i think less compelling uh explanations that probably contribute but aren't a slam dunk uh 17th and 18th century women used to wear tight sleeves that made it so they they were so tight that they couldn't move their elbows or shoulders and so then they gesticulated with their wrists a lot more when they were speaking and that sort of uh brought this this idea that like if you're moving your wrists instead of the rest of your arms that you're therefore feminine that's i I was wondering like anything like if a a woman does it in any kind of way then we associate that with that is not manly that is feminine so that is gay like so i was kind of waiting for where the where the woman played into this yep yep uh so there were also a lot of portraits in the 16th and 17th centuries of european court members that had important men uh with delicate limp wrists wrists um there's an example of uh, King James I of England, who I believe was the faggot king that we talked about. Uh, uh, and um, Quite the it, floppish flit. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, quite, quite often, I love this quote, this article says, quite often, quite often uh, these, 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 these men, important men in these pictures, had their hand placed on the hip in an I'm a little teapot pose. <laughs> <laughs> um, Will in Will and Grace stands like that all the time like he puts his hand like you know kind of curls down and puts his wrist on the side of his uh <laughs> on his side like i noticed that like that that has to be like a a thing that character eric mccormick did specifically for that character because he does it all the time yeah yeah or this the, like go ahead the faggot king of england was edward the second oh. not oh not this guy well Sorry. he's the faggot king of our hearts yeah exactly exactly thanks dan um I don't. I don't know. I like know very little about the British monarchy, really. Nor do I care to. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but you love history. Maybe they can piss me off. Maybe I can piss them off about that instead of backwards hats. Oh, great. <laughs> um, by the time we get to the 20th century, limp wrists equals faggot was very well established, at least in the United States. Uh, there are a pair of postcards from 1910 that show limp wristed men saying things like, "Quote, sweet perfume of violets. What a charming policeman." <laughs> 
<laughs> Sweet perfume of violets? Yeah. What a charming policeman. That's quite the... Uh, there's a Canadian postcard from the middle of the century. A dainty gentleman points limp-wristed at a police officer and asks, Is it true you fellows always get your man? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so... So, yeah, it's it's been around a really long time, but this idea that it, it's a common theme that we see among a lot of things, right? Like, gay is because of femininity. Femininity either comes from things that women do or ideas of what men should do. Mm-hmm. This particular idea was something that a man should do or, or limp-wristed, should not be limp-wristed, that yeah. came out of antiquity, came out of ancient Rome. Yeah. Well... I- it is not just in the past either. You know, we're talking about how silly and stupid it is. And, and it, it feels to me like it is one of the oldest stereotypes, but yeah. it is still alive in the current time. So let me give you a couple of examples. We can talk about the church guy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't. Did you did you have something about the church guy? Um, Just in the same sort of context, I think. Okay. Go, go, you, go, you go for it. This is your okay. segment. Come okay. On. This is my Wait, segment, should, Mike. Do you want me to pretend like I don't know what you're about to say? Yes, yes. Okay. <gasps> there was a church guy who said something bad about gays. Yeah, like I'm surprised. I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, pastor Sean Harris, uh, oh, who is the God. senior pastor of Berean Baptist Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He just sounds self-loathing already, right? <laughs> uh, in 2012, uh, there was this big long thing that I'm not going to read his whole like terrible homophobic thing, but the part related to us is after saying a bunch of homoph- homophobic shit, can I make it any clearer? Dad's the second you see your son dropping the limp wrist, you walk over there and you crack that wrist. Oh. Man up. Give him a good punch, okay? You are not going to act like that. You were made by God to be a male and you are going to be a male. And it's the 2012, like it's the same, the exact same idea that somehow by doing that, you are not a man and you're showing signs of being gay and you need to straighten them up and, you know, several meanings of the word and, and to have it come from the voice of God, supposedly that God wants you to do this. Like this is, I mean, it's, Sometimes I like go back and forth on how I feel about making fun of religion and I'm doing better at making fun of the institution itself, not the individuals that believe it. But it's like it's very difficult, just like Republicans, it's very difficult to look at the body of work that they have and not trash on it because like this, this is not a rarity. This is not an uncommon thing. You know, pastors explaining why your son being gay is horrible and makes them not a man is common there's also so you remember when we were talking about the dude whose doctor gave him an orgasm during a prostate examination so he shot oh, him yeah 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 but like first he was pointing the gun at him saying say no homo yeah like it was fucking magic yeah there's like a disconnect here as well of like cause versus effect or like magical thinking if your son being gay gives him a limp wrist, breaking his wrist is not going to make him straight. Yeah. What the, like, is, the limp wrist is not magic. It's not <laughs> making the dicks go in his mouth. Yeah. Like, why Why would you think that, like, correcting that is going to somehow fix this fundamental thing? Well, like, I mean, like, it still, it goes to the people that still think that they can, that being gay is either a choice or something you were trained to do. And so if, so they can, I, there was this, <laughs> I, I wish, maybe I should find it, um, a tweet someone Uh, that's been like circulating on social media where someone was like, my dad, you know, suspected I was gay. So he made me go out and chop down trees and cut like, you know, cut chop wood 
uh, to try to make me more of a man, like jokes on you, dad. Now I suck dicks and can chop wood. Like it, that, <laughs> like it didn't, it didn't, it just, yeah. I, I think there are people that still believe that they can have that kind of effect. And, yeah. and it, it does not surprise me that that's tied into corporal punishment. People who believe that yeah. is a solution for things. Yeah. And, and whether it's common or not for any institution, for any person representing the leadership of an institution that says, go and physically injure children as a corrective measure for anything. I just, it's despicable and it's disgusting. And I hope they end up with Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. Um, uh, Okay. Another example in media, uh, I have, I have uh, two other ones that are a little bit different. So uh, now I want to play for you a clip from modern family. Oh. They offered me a bouquet, Mitchell. Which you accepted. Why can't you ever take my side? They think of me as a woman. Can't, no, come on, we're just a new type of family. You know, they don't have the right vocabulary for us yet. They, they need one of us to be the mom. So why does it have to be me? Do I wear a dress? Well, that's a nightshirt. It's kind of satiny. What are you saying? Come on, you know. No, 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 I don't know. All right, if, if, I, if I'm thinking about it... Of the two of us, if, if, if I had to pick, I, I, I might say that you're slightly mommer. Excuse me, can you throw that ball? Can I throw a ball? You don't, you don't think I can yeah. throw a ball? No, no, no. Said. No, apparently this gentleman doesn't think I can throw a ball. Well, that's not what he said. You don't think I can throw a ball? Well, let's find out! Oh, oh God, he looks old. Oh! So I watched Modern Family in its initial seasons. I kind of tapered off uh, somewhere along there. But I remember that scene from when I watched it. And specifically at the very end, what you're hearing is Cam starts to run, the one that is accused of being more feminine. He starts to run and his wrists are bent and he's running in what people would consider a girlish way or they're like up not and floppy. Yeah, they're up and <laughs> floppy, uh, like a semi-hard dick. Yeah. Um, and... Mitchell says to him hands so that he can fix his hands when he runs and not look so feminine. And this is one of those times like it's the conversation they're having around like your family thinks that I'm the more feminine one. And then like Mitchell explains to him like you kind of are more feminine. Like that feels like a realistic conversation. Like that was, I think, interesting. Then he threw the ball and threw it very well, which is like not that is you know, not what you would expect out of the more feminine one. So I like that. Took out a bicyclist. Took out a bicyclist. Because, because inflicting harm is manly. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And that, but it's really interesting. I thought that he told him to fix his hands when yeah. he ran to yeah. make it. And it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, I laugh during that scene. And I think it's funny. Then the other times I'm like, this kind of does represent the gays has are, like have this ingrained in us of what we should be as well. And, and Mitchell's trying to make him less feminine yeah. and trying to help him watch out for, you know, his limp wrist. Yeah. Yeah. And then congratulates him or, 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 or admon- admonishes him. Is that the right word? Yeah. When, when he succeeds at it. Mm. Right. He's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There you, you go. Yeah. You did it. You yeah. fixed it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the opposite of admonish. Yeah. I realized it after I said it, but mm. you know, yeah. we'll go that's with okay. it. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I, we have time to unpack this, but what about the fact <laughs> that that actor is straight? 
I think it's problematic that they would have him fag out like that. <laughs> well, I, I I do like that Mitchell is actually gay in real life. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not as... There are a lot of people that, especially nowadays, are, are you know, say that gay men should be portrayed by gay actors. I'm not as, like pushy or or pushy sounds like negative like i'm not as kind of on that train of thought as other people i i I think you there's a lot of extra work that straight actors would have to do to make sure they're not portraying a stereotype i mean the recent thing that comes to mind is in is it uh prom that um james corden plays a gay guy and got nominated for stuff and every gay person's like really um You have to do a lot of extra work to make sure you don't come across as either stereotypical or, or acting out some of these stereotypes just to like signal gayness. It's a lot more complex than that. And I think if you're looking for a way to get gay actors, uh, like we need more gay representation. We need more gay actors, just like we need more trans actors, disabled actors, black actors. Like we need more characters like that's you can start with making sure gay roles are cast with gay people who mm-hmm. will have an authentic like so i i don't think like as a rule it has to happen but i think it just makes sense as like where you should go to make sure the the role is not being played you know really shittily yeah 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 right. uh the last thing uh the last example is in this year 2021 it just showed up on my feed um on twitter at aka nox t N-O-X-X-T, said, at Lil Nas X is probably one of the only gay people I respect because he is actually chill about it and doesn't brag. Mm. (laughs) What is that? Just like, I'm fine with gay people as long as they don't throw it in my face. Fucking horse shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, god damn it. (laughs) Um, At Lil Nas X said, uh, like retweeted this, quote tweeted this and said, yeah, y'all got to stop saying this. I am gay as, as ASF. As fuck um, a fag a queer a sissy if you will mm-hmm. and uh, to me like this feels like these three examples i i feel like are kind of the the trend that i see of straight people say it's bad to have a limp wrist and act gay gay people internalize that and learn they need to do that too to fit in and we are now un like breaking ourselves of those habits and saying no, you shouldn't just respect me because I seem straight. Like you shouldn't respect me because I don't talk about gay stuff. So I don't make you uncomfortable. Like I'm allowed to be as gay as out. I'm allowed to have a limp wrist. I'm allowed to have a lisp. I'm allowed to, you know, wear nail polish. Like, like your respect for me should not be based on me uh, flying under the radar. And I, I think that's a, I think that's a growing trend, especially with the youth today, the youth saying the youth makes me sound so old, the youths, (laughs) the youths of tomorrow. Um, but I, I just really like that. I really like little, sorry, Lil Nas X and the way he represents uh, this kind of new wave and generation of gay people. Yeah. 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 Plus he's hot. Plus he's hot. That helps. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, hey, Kyle. Hey, Mike. On a scale of one to gay, <laughs> how gay is rock climbing? Very straight. Yeah? One. One. One and a half. Okay. I mean, but it's gay in that when I look at them, I'm very turned on well. because they have nice backs and arms. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's what you mean. How gay is it for them or me? <laughs> well, just, I, I, I'm, I'm asking you to just... First, zone in on like your personal feelings about the group of people that do that. 
Yeah, so sexy. Okay, great. That's where I zoned in. (laughs) In Joshua Tree National Park in the Hidden Valley area, there is a rock climb called the Thin Line, and it is a 14-meter trad. I don't know what that means. Uh, It was first ascended by Roy McClenahan and Mike Paul in 1984. It has been in guidebooks ever since. However, the name of this particular climb is often given as limp-wristed faggot. Okay. (laughs) Wow. And uh, so it was the provisional name given to the route when it was first ascended in 1984. Uh, It was called Thin Line by the time it was published in the 1986 Joshua Tree Rock Climbing Guide. And uh, but it was called LWF or limp wristed faggot for by the community for a very long time. Why? Uh, um, um, throughout there. So we'll get to that in just a second. Okay. What is that? What do you think? Like, wh- why? Why would they call that something like that? And more importantly, why do you think it would catch on, even though it had a different official name? Um, why would it have been called that? Like maybe the dudes that first climbed it were gay or maybe there's something specific about the, like the climb that you have to like put your wrists at an angle or something. Like I just imagine there being a, something gay about it in some way or, or seemingly gay that involve Limbris. And I also think like names like that catch on because like people think it's funny and it's like you get, you know, like you think about. I'm going to talk about high school in a little bit, but like in high school, like, you know, you get to be the cool one that calls something faggot. Like you, you know, that those names kind of, you, people want to say that. So they seem cool or interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know how easy or hard this particular route is, but I I think that there's, there's definitely something about like, are you going to do lip wristed faggot or Mm. like you got to conquer that. Don't let that conquer you sort of bro-y machismo to it. But I'm really interested in the fact that I, when I started researching, this was like, fuck this, fuck this. Why did they call (laughs) it that? This is a horse shit. Y'all, you straight bows suck. You're (laughs) assholes. And uh, I want to read uh, just a little bit from Roy McClanahan, the very first person to, to ascend this route. Quote, I am the limp wristed faggot. (laughs) The chosen name was an expression of self-deprecation. Granted, that's not very enlightened, as it is essentially still homophobic in its derivation. Teenage boys in the 70s routinely bantered this way. We were all homophobes, even if we didn't actually judge homosexuals themselves. At age 23, when I did the route, I was just beginning to come out of this. It's just how we talked and acted. We were silly, ridiculous, and yes, often hurtful. Counterculture angst and all of that fun stuff. Uh, in the spring of 1984, at the time of the first ascent, I was coming off of a frostbite injury to my fingers, and it was a route I thought I should have been able to flash. I think that just means go up fast. Makes sense. Uh, on sight. I couldn't. I wound up top roping it. Mm. <laughs> I was very angry that I had let myself get injured so fundamentally as a climber and so early in life, pursuing what was to be and would become my life's work. Corny but true. I completed the original top rope of Limp Wristed Faggot with Michael Paul. He said, quote, whoa, limp-wristed faggot. That's an edgy root name. <laughs> um, and anyway, so the, the, one of the two dudes was gay and uh, decided to, to name it that because he was limp-wristed because of an injury and was very much a faggot <laughs> and um, didn't think much of it. 
I contend that that name becoming popularized, though, is not from the cute, adorable story mm. way of yeah. thinking. At least, probably not. Yeah, I don't know. What do you? What, am I? No, that would make, that would make sense. Like the origin story of why it's called that maybe didn't translate. It was just everyone like, ha oh. ha. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I think it's it's interesting. It's he he also says uh, in here. Uh, not long after I named that route, a young woman whom I respected very much said to me, "Quote." You should be careful how you talk about homosexuals, Roy. You never know who might be one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Um, I I I really hope it was a very difficult climb. I mean, the the way he's describing it seems like he thought it was easy, but it was more difficult than he thought. Like that would that would make me like it even more because if it's like super easy route that then they name after something gay, that's like ugh, like that's just a bad like reinforcing that we're weak or whatever, but to have it be called something gay and be very difficult, challenging something you have to be buff for like that discrepancy is something I enjoy. Yeah. I don't know what all these numbers are, but there are a bunch of numbers associated with it. It's, it's a 5.11 C and it gets two stars. That's not zero stars. Is that like Michelin rating? I, like I, I, out of three and only one limp faggot in the world has gotten that. I guess. Okay. I guess. Um, uh, Isn't your mom a 5.1C? I think so. Yeah. Uh, or, she likes to tell people her bra size is 44 long. Which I think is <laughs> <laughs> Love you, mom. Um, uh, it's interesting because because apparently there's this culture of like, you climbed it, you name it. Hmm. That, that, that is, in, is, in, is part of the culture there. And uh, a lot of people have pushed back on changing it or trying to eliminate that name because of censorship which that also really like rubs me the wrong way <laughs> like you're, you're you're mad you can't say the n-word anymore or something <laughs> yeah um but uh he, he says quote i'm not in i'm not big into root ownership once i top out on a trad root fa i'm done with it by comparison i find the top down fa experience equal to that of high school auto shop so not bad but i have no great emotional connection to such an experience a root begins and ends in the public trust if those who become the custodians of this public trust choose to alter my root names, add or remove bolts to the rock, I say this is their prerogative. But they do so at the risk of fragmenting their own lineage. And ultimately, he landed on, I would like it to please keep calling it that. Hmm. Um, that was a very, like, like a deep insight coming from naming a climbing rock that yeah. I didn't expect. So, yeah. God, that's cool. Anyway, that's that's limp-wristed faggot, the climb. <laughs> um, uh, more discussions of limp-wristed faggots. Great. And actually, you talked about auto shop. That's going to come up. This is the book one. Great. Some some things all coming together here. Uh, I'm going to talk about, dude, you're a fag. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that's it, everybody. Uh, there's a book called Dude, You're a Fag, written by C.J. Pas- Pasco. Um, and he wrote an article that was published in Inside higher.ed.com in 2007 um, where he talks about the book that he wrote so he uh, I think like went to schools and did this observational hmm. kind of study of people and, and that's what his book's about so I'm going to read you a quote that was the first paragraph in this article quote from a book there's a faggot over there there's a faggot over there come look Brian a senior at River High School that's not the real name River High School is a what <laughs> The, the faggots are coming. The, the faggots, faggots are, are coming. <laughs> I wait till you can see the whites of the wrists. What <laughs> if I land and two offend me? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> 
no taxation without penetration. <laughs> um, Brian, a senior at River High School, yelled to a group of 10-year-old boys. The group of boys dashed after Brian as he ran down the hallway towards the presumed faggot. Peering down the hallway, I saw Brian's friend, Dan. Oh, interesting. Dan waiting for the boys. As the boys came into his view, Dan pursed his lips and began sashaying towards them. He swung his hips exaggeratedly and wildly waved his arms, on the end of which his hands hung from limp wrists. To the boys, Brian yelled, referring to Dan, Look at the faggot. Watch out. He'll get you. In response, the 10-year-old screamed in terror and raced back down the hallway. Mm. Um, And he tells this story because this is a very common thing he saw at at schools where kids would he it's interesting he named it fag discourse which one i really enjoy mm-hmm, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. it is boys imitating faggotry he didn't say that um to and and using the word fag to hurt each other or you know put together that stereotype of a person that dan was kind of emulating and of course you know in that story it was a scary thing that they like had to watch out for um and he he intentionally called it fag discourse he said like you know he thought about that and named it specifically that because gay it's different than gay being called gay is uh uh, you're that's stupid or dumb like that's what people use it as and yes it's it's homophobic but in a different way it's to me it's like an indirect homophobic thing because some people are like well no it's not that it's bad to be gay it's just that thing's gay you know like people but when you mean gay is in homosexual, I mean gay is in dumb. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. well, that helps. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, but fag is a very specific, he said, gendered slur directed at other boys um, when you, uh, uh, it, it, things that could generate being called that, uh, exhibiting stupidity, exhibiting emotions, incompetence, caring too much about clothing, touching another guy, dancing, all of these could leave you open to being called a fag. Um, and he said, um, you mentioned the auto shop that, mm. that dude uh, talked about. He said, fag discourse runs particularly rampant in primarily male spaces. Straight guys are real gay that we've yeah. said. Like, this is that thing in um, in auto shop or at the weight room. Boys would constantly insinuate that uh, other boys were having sex with one another. Uh, they would yell across the room, someone loves the cock. Um and so like these male spaces, men get together and say these things or there's like a kind of like this gay undertone to like male spaces. Um, he mentions on college campuses, male organizations like fraternities yeah. are particularly fertile ground for the fag discourse. So fertile. So fertile. <laughs> so discoursey. <laughs> I figured you would agree with that. Or yep. uh, um, And it's also interesting that he talks about it is as you get older that happened that starts to happen less and less but it's still there on college campus like what we have learned in high school still permeates college when we go so he says that um uh, it doesn't disappear uh once young men reach college uh you you are you're kind of trained in this he mentioned like the academic part of school is only a portion of what you learn by being, you know, if you're attending an in-person, like on campus kind of college, like academics is only a portion of that. And there's a lot more that goes on with it. And you're always on the lookout for either, you know, what people called you and trying to make sure you're not acting like that or look out for if you're straight, maybe you're worried about some gay person actually going to like affect you and you want to run away from them. So people are still always looking out for 
this fag that they've been told to worry about and, and think about. And so uh, it's hard to, I, I think reading some of these things reminds me it's, it's um, I always think that like, I never went through anything big or traumatic. Like why am I depressed? For example, like reminding myself that these are all the messages we received over and over and over in little ways and different ways throughout all of our childhoods. It, it it helps me feel a little bit better that like I did not have like just an easy, everything was fine and dandy. Like I had, yeah. you know, I had these messages hitting me explaining that I was not okay. And it, it weirdly makes me feel better to remind myself that that, that is a challenge and that kind of gets in your brain. I mean, I think it's okay to say that like being in Texas is traumatic, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no, it's, it's not, it's definitely not limited to Texas. It's mm. everywhere. It's, it's uh Eastern Washington at its fair share, that's for sure. Um, is this a good segue to personal stories? Um, maybe. I also want to talk a little bit more about uh, historically limprists. But should sure. I do that now or should we yeah, talk about no, it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, okay. Um, I, I feel like the things I, fa- I was looking at were like kind of tracing back the root of where, like, why we believe this or how how this has influenced us. And I think there's some interesting things in gay history that I wanted to talk about. And there, some of this are things that I've talked about before, but I I just think are really important. Um, I want to talk a a little bit about the Mattachine society. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, just as examples, I will, I want to give you two of prominent figures uh, in the Mattachine society, gay men. Uh, One is Frank. Kameny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you know? From the Deviant's War, oh. Eric Servini, Frank Kameny is the protagonist of that whole book. Oh, great. So you can tell me about him. Great. Go. He's a fag. Great. Got it. <laughs> Those are all my bullets. He's uh, called one of the most significant figures in the American gay rights movement. Uh, he had a giant page full of lots of things he did, so I'm not going to go into all of them. But um, in 1957, he was dismissed from his position as an astronomer in the U.S. Army's Army Map Service, which I guess was Google maps before that was a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, in Washington DC because being, because of being gay, he formally appealed it. I mean, he got caught in a bathroom with another dude. So it's like, yeah. What were they doing specifically? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And did they have that Chris hats on? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Uh, he was soliciting. Tappity tap, tap, tappity tap, tap. Really? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) sexy. Um, he appealed it, although his appeal was unsuccessful. Um, it is uh, the first known civil rights claim based on sexual orientation pursued in a U.S. court. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the uh, one of the founders of the Machine Society of Washington, uh, uh, as in D.C., mm-hmm. uh, in 1961. So he was a very prominent figure in the gay rights movement. Also, something important about him is that he wanted to portray gay people as, quote, presentable and employable yep similarly randy wicker who i've talked about um on previous things when i talked about the mattachine society and gay rights he uh initially joined the mattachine society in new york um and he was young and deemed too radical by the other people they were like worried about his radical influence um one of his he's also really prominent figure in gay rights um when there was a new york city radio broadcast of a panel of psychiatrists who essentially said like shitty things about like gay people are sick and you know whatever shitty stuff they believe back in those days wicker uh pursued the station manager and asked him to put other openly gay people on the air to it says to rap about their lives 
I don't think that. I think that was just talk. I don't yeah. think yeah. that. My name is Wicker, and yeah. I'm here to say <laughs> I'm so gay, and it's totally okay. Go, um, Randy. Go, go Randy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, because, as he said, homosexuals were the real authority on homosexuality. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, that is believed to be the first can confirm can, <laughs> that's, I know too much. Um, uh, that was believed to be the first uh, radio program of its kind, which uh, aired in 1962. Mm-hmm. And as I've said before, he said on making gay history, he has an episode with him and Marsh P Johnson. I had spent 10 years of my life going around telling people homosexuals looked just like everybody else. We didn't all wear makeup and wear dresses and have falsetto voices and molest kids. Mm -hmm. And both of them in response to Stonewall disliked that. Yeah. Like that, that happened at the time they were both horrified that. And when you read things about some of the things that happened, he, he mentions those things because there were lines of people doing kicks and there were limp wrists and there were people yelling, uh, like, I don't know, gay shit. <laughs> like th- it was a very, uh, and it was a violent, you know, riot kind of protest. So there was a lot about it that did not go along with their, what they, they were trying to tell everyone, like, we're not sick. We're not disgusting. We're just like you. And so to have people be that kind of, flamboyant and out um was not what they wanted or planned or thought was right yeah yeah so they didn't like stone all the time the, after that the Mattachine society uh kind of fractured into the gay liberation front which was an organization that was more radical had anarchist methods they supported other liberal uh, liber- or other liberation groups like the black panthers yeah some people didn't like that, so they started the Gay Activist Alliance. They wanted it to just focus on gay and lesbian issues, not anything else. Uh, the leadership was largely gay white men. Yeah. And that's where, like, uh, the reason that I think this is so important for gay history is just at least, uh, you know, I, there people that know far more than me, from what I've seen, it's like this represents that fracture of gay men that are just saying, I'm going to try to fit in and look like everyone else. And that's what we need to be aiming to do. We need to show everyone we're just like them. And and that ties into, you know, why issues of trans, trans issues, people of color, black people, like why we pull away from them. Because to look acceptable, you had to have a certain look. And that's being a, a gay, cis, white dude. Yeah, yeah. And people started running with that uh, uh, and tried to focus on just their rights and no one else's in yeah. spite of how influential all those members were in all the, all these protests that happened before. Yeah. And I think like th- that is just uh, what I think people need to know about that is when you say things like, Oh, well I respect you because you don't seem too gay or I'm fine with protests, but like you shouldn't, you shouldn't cause any kind of destruction. Like you're echoing these voices of people that think that you need to assimilate, fit in, look like everyone else in order to move your rights forward. And that's just, that's, that can be very damaging. Yeah. I want to show a broad array of people, including people that look like people that you wouldn't expect to be gay because they act like you would think a straight person is. I think that's valuable to show that there's all these kind of gay people, but also you need gay people that are, have limp wrists and have you know falsetto voices and that needs to be okay too because you don't because the like those are going to be the most ostracized those are going to be the most like open to like getting bullied or or what have you like being that out invisible is 
um, is challenging yeah. and is can be life threatening. And I think when you when you achieve rights for the most kind of extreme cases or the 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 most you know a black trans woman you know when the when you take the person that has the most intersectional identities or or you know cast out identities and they achieve equal rights that helps then everyone yeah can fit in more so i i i want to talk about that specifically because the people that reacted negatively to the more effeminate acting riots uh I, I you see that today yeah. and i don't i think people don't know that 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 is part of our history and i think an unfortunate part of our history that you can trace back to these times yep yeah it's it's funny uh, you talk about frank kameny and um i can't, I can't speak to randy because i'm less familiar but um he in the in the late 50s and early 60s was starting to have these rallies for for gay rights and uh, there was a dress code. The men had to wear suit and tie, mm-hmm. even if it was in the summertime. Women had to wear dresses. Signs had to be of uniform size using a uniform font. No deviation was allowed. And he would send people home wow. if they colored outside of those lines. You're not welcome at my protest because I don't like that dress or your sign is too colorful. Damn. And um, it's really interesting. I, I, I want to say that because on the one hand, he did some amazing things and really moved the needle in terms of gay rights. But also, just because a gay person does it, even a prominent gay person, doesn't mean that it's necessarily the right approach or what all gay people think or what's best for the movement. Yeah. Like I, I think about like there are those horrible black people that are on TV sometimes, like that one woman whose name I can never remember. Candace, Candace Owens? Yeah. Like, okay, great. Bubba, you found one black person that says what you think. That does not mean that that's what all black people think or need. And like that doesn't make your bigotry justified somehow because you've found a person. One person. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Um, anyway. I to- yeah, I totally agree. I think that is, that is a challenge. And yeah, like uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about each of them a little bit more is because they are important. They did help the gay rights movement. Absolutely. Like they, and, and that, and it's, but it's not as easy as just, everything they did was good, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I think they probably progressed the gay and, and probably lesbian rights, but at the same time, probably hurt trans rights or super femme rights or drag rights or people of colors within the gay communities rights. Like, I, you know, I, yeah. I, I think they lost sight of the bigger picture of the community. And, you know, maybe at the time, like people weren't ready to accept all those. We talk about like getting your foot in the door and, and, and if someone who is a straight laced gay cis white dude can get their foot in the door, great. But then they have to take the next step of opening that door up to others. And I think the yeah. fact that the groups fractured from the Liberation Front to the Gay Activist Alliance showed that they were not ready to be the group that also then ushered in other people. They just wanted, to, they thought they needed to only focus on gay rights and that's all they cared about their own personal white cis gay rights. Yeah. And I, I I just think that's really important in in thinking about these kinds of stereotypes and the types of people, you know, what what we have done in our history to push aside other people in the community and why, interestingly enough, limp wrists are a issue of race and mm-hmm. an issue of trans people, an issue of femme people. Like it, it all connects together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Patriarchy, Kyle. Oh, right. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, now we can talk about personally. Yeah, so I I wanted to talk briefly about this. Um, my mom, my mom's family is is crazy. They uh, 
they like to get together for holidays, but for the long longest time, Fourth of July was the the holiday, and would always like do dress up. Like we would have talent shows, and we would have a parade and march through camp in like wacky outfits that had some kind of theme. And I remember, I don't remember what the theme was. I don't remember where we were, but I remember really, really distinctly a parade, one of these parades happening in which I was waving this tiny American flag and we were walking through and seeing the video of it later because all of it was, you know, it was the camcorder days. (laughs) Everything was on fucking video. And just absolute mortification Mm. had to leave the room at how I was holding the flag in that video. So seeing myself on video and thinking like the way that my wrists are, and it was specifically my wrists, the way Mm. that they were flitting about with this (laughs) flag, I was absolutely mortified. And every time that video came up, I had to leave because I was so disgusted with my wrists in this video. And I didn't have a traumatic childhood. I had a gay affirming childhood in a lot of ways with a, with a gay uncle or great uncle. Um, and, and, but those messages are super duper powerful. And without even knowing it, I hated myself. Yeah. And there it was on video, uh, for having not manly enough wrists. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, it, go ahead. No. Yeah. The, the word disgusted and the fact that you had to leave, leave the room. Like, yeah, those are really powerful kind of representations of how you were made to feel about yeah. yourself. Cause no one feel, no one feels that way about limp wrists innately like that, that it cannot be something we are just born to feel that way about wrists. It has to be trained in the fact that you have a said you had a supportive childhood, like then it came from somewhere and is that's probably society, religion, what, you know, those other external. Influences. Yeah. Do you remember a specific thing? Like saying limp wrists were bad. Like, do you remember where that message came from? No, but I certainly knew the phrase limp wristed faggot. I don't have any mm. proof of this, obviously, but like thinking back to it, would 12 year old Mike have known what a limp wristed faggot was? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't have a specific like memory of someone talking about limp wrists specifically. I'm sure it happened sometime in my childhood. And absolutely like that was an association for me. So like, I mean, I think it's telling that like it is not one moment. It is all of these I mean, microaggressions is the way yeah. I learned. Like it's all of these little things that just straight people may not even think about it or or know it or they they hear it once and then move on and then never think about it again. But like yeah. it clearly, you know, weighed on you. And did people know when you left the room that was why? No, no. I mean, I mean, certain of that. Like, I think. Plus, everybody's, like, distracted, right? They're watching this video or there's, yeah. I don't know. Plus, everybody was drunk. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and I, 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 I did my very best to make the most stealthy retreat, you know? Mm. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be noticed. I wanted to slither away so that I didn't have to deal with any further shame than what, what I already had. Yeah. I re- but I, I remember that being, like, the most extreme example of, mm. like, do is there a way that i can work out so that my wrists are less faggy <laughs> do it like do i wear longer sleeves would that help i don't oh. know like, I, I wore i wore baggy sweaters for a really long time like it's just it's Wait, really did, did you specifically wear clothing to help cover your wrists oh yeah absolutely wow for sure yeah um and that's there's a lot of other body issues in that too like i was always a skinny kid a really really skinny kid and and wanted to like feel bigger so uh. i would wear bigger 
clothes, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's really, it's really intense how, again, powerful those messages are and, and how even then I was aware that I was gay and didn't want to be. And here's this thing that I can't control, that I can't, that I can't stop doing. All I could do is pretend I wasn't that way by like not having to watch videos of myself doing it. (laughs) Well, and you were trying to literally cover Cover it up like you were literally (laughs) hiding it underneath and thinking about like hey how am i walking right now is it is it is it faggy or not like how what you know what am i I, i'm holding i'm holding this saxophone am i are my where am i where's my hand placement so that like am i are my are my wrists manly enough while i'm holding this saxophone like just ridiculous exercise it's exhausting (laughs) being in the closet is exhausting even if you don't really know that you're in it like Anyway, you were going to talk about Bandcamp or something? Like, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I was. I'm trying to change the subject because um, I got uncomfortable. Oh. Uh, I, I mean, this is not uh, playing the piano. You have to have your list, wrists. Like, you can't bend them up. You have to like have like strong wrists and have your your arms like and wrists all kind of continue in one motion. So like that was some. I don't know. That didn't affect me in any way. Being gay, like gay, was not tied to it. Except playing the piano is kind of gay, but anyway, it affected you enough to notice and for it to come up now. I guess so. <laughs> I I don't uh, I can't think of a specific. What I did want to mention, I can't think of a specific wrist example, mm-hmm. but um, I very vividly remember when I first came out. Um, my brother said something to the effect of, "You know, you don't have to act any different or do anything differently now that you're gay." Uh, I forget how he exactly said it, but the point being, you don't have to like what he had seen of people being gay was this certain stereotype. And he wanted to make sure I knew I didn't have to be that. Oh, wow. And I, and that's a mind fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I think that is representative of not just what outsiders think or, or, or believe, but I think gay people, when they first come out, a lot of them have this kind of feeling of like, well, I'm going to be a different kind of gay person. I'm not going to, give into those things and i'm just going to keep being me and i think that comes from uh what you're talking about this like not realizing how much they've trained themselves to act a certain way and i think when from an an outsider or even a straight person seeing someone come out and then act different what they think is oh you became gay now you changed instead of realizing the person you were before was the the mask and the shield that you had up and you're removing some of those pieces and being more natural yeah and that's something you can't like you have to be in 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 our heads to understand and even as it's happening for us like it's hard to understand what's real about us and what's a what was a facade so like i i just very distinctly remember that from my brother and i feel like recently i don't know just seeing people that are new to coming out i don't know it's just a consistent thing that i see of people saying like well i'm not going to be like that or i'm not going to change or i'm and and it's it's part of this built-in i think you know, the, Frank and Randy had this affect them. Like we were just trained to be a certain way and we believe that we have to be that way and it, it affects us and how we act. It's so much of therapy, at least for me has been what is real. Like I've been out for 12 years and I'm still trying to figure out what of this person that I am that's been cobbled together. It was a fabrication in order to survive the closet. And what of it is just, indeed who i am i'm sorry and, was that a fabrication yeah <laughs> <laughs> same it yeah and when you think of like 
how much time you spent in your formative younger years training yourself maybe inadvertently to be a certain way yeah it makes sense and of course it takes a lot of time to unlearn that and yeah i'm exactly the same in like just trying to figure out what's real and and not and that's such a difficult thing of like you know ask i've said it before like ask my therapist teaching me to ask the question like what do i want like just learning that i think was and i think particularly being gay like it has never been about what I want. It's been about what everyone else thinks I should look like or do. So like that question I think is, that's why it really hit home. Uh, you know, what do I want? And backwards hats and dicks <laughs> <laughs> therapy done. Yeah. That's all I need. Start a new kind of bro therapy. Oh <laughs> yeah. We'll get through it together. All right. Yeah. Okay. Limp wrists and all. Yeah. Hey, speaking of limp wrists, fucking Dan's going to talk about limp wrists, the band. Yeah. And he said he's going to cry, so you have that to look forward to. So if you're <laughs> not on Patreon, join just so you can hear that. Now, Dan, you have to. <laughs> now it's a I know. It's likely. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so I think I'm like on an emotional precipice already because I'm tired because mm. of stupid World of Warcraft and it's addictive. <laughs> behave. Oh. <laughs> anyway. More about limp wrists in the Patreon segment. Great. That I'm already into it. If you don't, if that doesn't convince you to sign up, nothing will, except for maybe the 40 plus hours of content that we have available to you and the knowledge that you can support <laughs> us in recording distant, remote things like this. Hmm. All right. Okay. Should we take a break? Yeah. Then, let's, on, then? <laughs> on that uplifting note. Yeah. Let's take a break. All right. I have a limp wrist. I'm going to go get a hammer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dan's face is correct. <laughs> to hit your hand so it's not... I, I think that's what he meant. I'm so confused. Licorice wrist. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. What's yeah, going away? So Union moved. Oh. Or is moving. I was never there in the process. So, I mean, they were barely there for a while and then it burnt down and then they reopened it and then yeah. the COVID happened. Like, yeah. maybe that place is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, a haunted house themed gay bar. Oh, nope. No. Down. Nope. No. Okay. Nope. Great. Won't do it. You won't go? Won't go. Can't go. Okay. Now I'm definitely going to open it. Okay. <laughs> you have fun with that. I'll be over here. Um, are we ready? Yeah. Are we back? Oh, we're back. We're back. <laughs> uh, we're going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, I have an announcement. Okay. Okay, great. All right, everybody, you're going to get your way now. We're going to mm-hmm. have we're going to have a contest. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. We're going to have a contest. We are announcing on this episode that you are hearing right now. You, you are presently engaged in listening to. <laughs> A uh, a gayish news theme contest. <laughs> so, uh, w- what I want you to do is come up with a idea for a news theme song. It needs to be ten seconds or less, and you need to email it to us at gayishpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, entries are going to be accepted from March the first until March the twenty second. I mean, not just the idea. You're sending the actual audio itself. Send the actual audio itself. Um. And uh, we will announce the winner on our anniversary show, which is going to be Thursday, April the 8th. We're turning four soon. We're turning four soon. So uh, it has to be completely original work or sufficiently different that it's clearly parody. 
and uh, Kyle and I will decide if it counts or not. Uh, there are a bunch of rules that I will post to the website, uh, gayishpodcast.com slash rules. Sure, and, we can make that. <laughs> yep. And uh, uh, the winner is going to get a piece of gayish merch and a hundred bucks. Ooh. Yeah. So cash money, which also means that then we own the song and can do whatever we want to with it. Oh, yeah. It's ours. I mean, at this point, hopefully, you know, anything you send or give to us is is property of us yeah, yep. <laughs> and and we now have it but yeah yep so get to thinking kids yeah. get to recording and get to sending them in we've had more and more people just send in either ideas or or songs themselves so that's uh, uh you, you were already doing it so now this is just formalizing it so uh yeah send it to us and put something like uh news theme in the title in the subject line so we know what it is and we see it i will also add if it's real super good like you like know what you're doing and it's great we might just use it or if it's like kind of a half-baked idea but you think it's interesting then maybe i'll re-record it so like just it depends on what kind of submissions we get yeah and or we'll... maybe we'll do nothing with it and just enjoy it and play some and give you money yep there you go listener contest listener contest fourth birthday coming up it's gonna be exciting which i already said some of the contact information but our website is gayishpodcast.com we are at gayish podcast on instagram youtube facebook twitter and Bandcamp. Nope. Yep. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or voicemails. It's 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rate supply. Our email, where you're sending your news theme ideas, is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. Our physical mailing address is Post Office Box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Gayest and Yeah, sure. Let's do our gayest and Great. I will go first. Okay. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the gayest thing about me this week... Uh, I, uh, oh, I just got embarrassed. This is great. <gasps> oh, wow. Uh, I forget if I talked about it on the show or not before, but I bought a ball stretcher a really long time ago oh. and then like left it in its package just like in a drawer somewhere and found it the other day. So I like, I wore it for a few hours yesterday and, um, it was, it was, it was fine. <laughs> oh, that's not a ringing endorsement. <laughs> No, it was really fun. I don't know if I'm into it or not. And apparently, like, I don't know if it actually works. Like, like apparently, like, getting old will stretch your balls out. But, like, <laughs> I, anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, I own a ball stretcher and I, and I put it on, Kyle. Huh. That's that's the gayest thing about me this week. The yeah, straightest fair. thing about me this week um, is the feeling that I get every time either the RuPaul's Drag Race or the Drag Race UK community, something controversial happens and everybody's just upset and on Twitter and in Discord mm -hmm. and on Facebook and all over the place and I do not care. <laughs> I just, I just, I want to validate their feelings and I want to, <laughs> I, I want to support the community. I just, I can't muster up the fucks to give. Yeah. And there was some recent thing that I don't understand. I think it was from UK that was like bit bop boop or something that everyone was tweeting. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And it sounds very weird having no context of what's going on here. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm happy they're into it. Yeah. I know. I'm unhappy that they're upset. Yeah. But... It, that would be Bimini Bon Boulash. Oh. I don't think that was it. There was, there was something else that they were. Wait. Oh, was that a joke that I didn't get? No, that's the name of one of the drag queens on oh, Drag Race UK no, but, season two, which is airing right now. There was something like Bip Bop Booper. I don't remember. Something like that that people were posting and I didn't oh. get it. But um, Oh, Ding Dong. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 
you UK Hun is the song which has like really stupid lyrics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that yeah. yes, it was that. Clearly I didn't even care enough to like investigate what was happening. Um my gayest, I will take a rare moment and and promote myself. My gayest is uh I just had a chapbook come out that's about like gay stuff and sex stuff and drug stuff and yeah. so uh, if you, it's my very first chapbook, I'm very excited. Everything I've published has been like an article or a piece of fiction. Like this is my first like self-contained thing. So, um, if you want it, it is 350 at the independent uh, publisher Gaio Lit G A I L L O Lit dot com. Mm-hmm. In the menu menu, you'll see 2021 micro chap series, and mine's under there. It's called Gays Don't Poop, and so my gayest is coming out with a gay chat book on an independent super queer literature thing feels pretty gay hey kyle hey mike i'm not kidding i'm super proud of you for doing that just now oh i didn't think that you had it in you to like self-promote and i think it's really great i didn't think i had it in me either okay um but here i am everybody (laughs) rock me like a hurricane um my straightest is i feel like i'm very behind on my like gay and queer like shows and everything uh just recently in our facebook group people are posting about it's a sin um like i I didn't even watch back in the holiday like the the holiday season or whatever that thing was with Kristen ritter or whatever her name is wow i just messed up some you know but just there seems to be like a bunch of queer media things out there that i just have as someone who talks a lot about representation in media and not like i just feel like i'm supposed to watch all that stuff and i haven't and it makes me feel like a bad gay i also feel like covid world has totally changed how I get recommendations. Mm. Like so many people, like if enough gays at the bar are drinking and say, Hey, have you seen blah, blah, blah. And everybody goes, Oh yeah. yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, then, then you're like, okay, I need to check this out. Yeah. There is no, there's no venue for that right now. Yeah. Like there's just random posts that you see on social media, which my brain already is filtering out. Right? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, how about a listeners? How about a listeners? Gay is the Um, Great. This one comes to us from Discord. Uh, Canadian Jamie. Straightest. Always wanting to be the alpha in group projects. (laughs) Gayest. Writing analysis in reports and automatically thinking of anal. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Putting the anal in analysis. You can't start analysis and not think about your butt. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Thank you to all the limp-wristed faggots out there. Yeah, indeed. Keep doing you. And thank you for thank you to Rush Limbaugh for being dead. <laughs> Great, <laughs> and thank you to our super gap bridgers who uh, are at our highest tier and have been supporting us for at least a year. Christopher Farrell, Tipsy McStumbles, Chris Catchtorian, Jerome York, and Cian Hazen. We really appreciate you. We do appreciate you. Uh, that's it. This has been Gage from the Chris Catchtorian Studio. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. Limp-wrist and all. Yeah. Whip. Licorice whip. <laughs>